Hi, this is Liz Craven. Welcome to Sage Aging. This is your podcast for understanding the aging and caregiving journey and connecting to the information and resources that will make your experience better. Before we dive in, let me remind you that you can find all Sage Aging episodes, the Sage Aging Elder Care Guide, and much more at eldercareguide.com. When it's time for you or a loved one to make the move from home to a senior living community, it's easy to get really overwhelmed because there's so much to consider. What type of community is best for your situation? What should you look for? And what questions should you ask? If you or a loved one are ready to think about making a move, then this is the podcast episode for you. Joining me today for this episode is Michael Gall. Michael is the executive director of Osprey Manor Independent Living in Lakeland, but we'll learn more about that in a minute. Welcome to the podcast, Michael, and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. It's really an honor and a privilege to be here, and uh, I look forward to talking about this very important topic today. Me too, because I think probably if there is one arena where people feel uneducated or unaware, it's in what senior living means because it can mean a whole lot of different things for different people and what's right for one person is not necessarily the ideal scenario for another so i'm looking forward to kind of shedding a little bit of light on that for folks but before we get started i would love for you to tell us just a little bit about yourself oh i'd be glad to um This is not my first career. (laughs) I've been in the senior living industry for about 15 years now. Many people, when they're in this industry, say it was a calling. I found it maybe kind of by accident. I had my own company for about eight or 10 years, and I was getting referred into the senior living arena and had several companies as my clients. When I sold my company, uh, not ready to retire, I told my wife, you know, I met the most amazing people that called these senior living communities their home, I think I'll explore management opportunities, whatnot. And that's how I got into senior living. So for the last 15 years, I've managed both independent living communities as well as assisted living communities in a number of states and still certified to manage uh, assisted living communities in Michigan. And I have my core certification here in Florida. But I'm happy working with independent living community uh, here in the Lakeland area and look forward to being able to help people understand what's the difference between the two. Well, that is exactly the topic today, because there is often a lot of confusion, even between what is a nursing home, what is assisted living. I think in general, from yesteryear and the stereotype of senior living in general, everything is called a nursing home. You know, every time somebody moves from the family home to someplace else, that's a nursing home. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And quite honestly, the independent and assisted living community options, many of them are so resort-like and have so many wonderful positive attributes. So let's jump in and let's first define what is senior living. Very good. You know, senior living can even be categorized beginning with 55 plus apartment buildings where there are no amenities offered, but it's a community, if you will, an apartment building that's made up of people that are at least 55 years of age and above. Um, From there, you begin to maybe enter into communities like mine that have this label independent living communities. And that word independent 
hopefully conveys to people that at such communities, generally speaking, there's no personal care services provided that people need to be able to live independently. The beauty of an independent living community, as we think about it in the industry, is that many of the what we take for granted conveniences are supplied. Better communities will provide two or three meals a day, weekly housekeeping. There may be scheduled transportation for medical appointments uh, or personal shopping. And it's often those types of things, as people continue to age and maybe have some infirmities, that become very challenging to continue to remain independently in like a single family home. And communities that are referred to as independent living communities help take away some of those burdensome tasks and allow people to live as independently as they can for a much longer period of time. Generally, that's what we would refer to as an independent living community. What's become far more popular in recent years in the industry, we refer to it as the middle market, but communities that may not offer, you mentioned earlier, a resort style feeling, there are more and more communities that don't have five-star dining and don't have a concierge driver or dry cleaning service at your beck and call or maybe three or four dining venues in the building, but offer a clean, well-maintained environment where meals are provided. Maybe it's more like home-style cooking, if you will, at a price point that many more people can afford. Boy, isn't that an important factor? (laughs) It, It really is. And as I meet people all the time that are beginning to explore options, one of the things that is a mystery to people is how do I pay for this? Mm-hmm. And so often people, you referred to it earlier, they just think of quote unquote nursing homes. So surely my Medicare will help for paying for this. Independent living communities primarily are what are referred to as a private pay kind of a situation. There are some programs that are available for sometimes qualified veterans. There are some financial packages that are paid directly to them that may help offset the cost of some of these. But for the most part, people are relying on their Social Security, maybe a pension, maybe some proceeds from the sale of a home, those types of things, to pay for their monthly expenses. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is one of the largest questions that is out there. Everybody wants to know, okay, so which part of my insurance is going to cover this stay? (laughs) And unfortunately, that really isn't the case right now. I think that's why you see a lot of people continuing care at home, using home care services. That's getting more difficult also. I mean, obviously, we're in a position where we're watching the baby boomers age, and that influx of need of services is here. I personally believe that our communities and our society in general is not at all prepared (laughs) for what's coming in the next few years, but I do believe that we're making some headway in that respect. And so it's important for families to be educated about all the different types of living situations and care that are available. So those who it's not right for them to remain at home and to have care of a family member and perhaps bring in some additional care then independent or assisted living is probably the right option. So I think I'd love to focus our discussion today between the two of those and comparing 
assisted living to independent living and maybe help people in their own minds walk through which might be the right option for them. Now, obviously, there are a lot of things that you can do proactively on your own if you're listening and this is your situation. I hope you can take today's information away with you and go visit some communities and perhaps connect with a placement advisor who can help you walk through some of that. So let's start with what types of services would you find at an ALF versus an independent living community? It's a great question. Uh, Assisted living by its very name helps to tell you what they do. They're going to assist you. And as you go through, we call them activities of daily living, if you will. But those things that we do every day, we get dressed, we eat, we toilet, we bathe. And in an assisted living community, there is trained professional staff that is there to assist you in accomplishing those items in a safe manner. In an independent living community, that staff, generally speaking, is not present. You would need to be able to bathe yourself or dress yourself or feed yourself. Oftentimes in an independent living community, however, the same services that you would bring into your single family home through a home health care agency are certainly available at an independent living community. And that assistance, if you will, helps you to live independently. It's just not provided by the community itself. And therein lies that big difference. Independent living communities generally, and this will vary from state to state, but since we're in Florida, are not licensed the same way an assisted living community is because we don't provide any personal care. Oftentimes, family assume, why isn't there any medical staff here? Or how late does the nurse stay? (laughs) There are these assumptions. And oftentimes, you know, we are paying attention to the things that they're looking for to help guide them to maybe a more suitable environment that if they already know that kind of assistance is needed for their loved one to be able to function okay, then truly maybe they aren't as independent as everybody would like to be. And often one of the challenges is having difficult conversations with families and helping them be honest with the situation. Once they're able to do that, they're going to find the best environment and have the, the highest quality of living for the person they're looking for. The single biggest issue that I think I confront is whatever the decision is, people wait too long. So many times, People will come and visit a independent living community and say, this is really lovely and you do a nice job, but I'm going to wait until I can't do that for myself anymore. And I often share with them, at that point, we won't be an option anymore. Right. <laughs> now, this that you really like the looks of is no longer available. However, if you wait until you can no longer do those things, the choice of where you live may be taken out of your hands. Mm -hmm. So thinking about these things and the folks that are looking for senior living options, just being honest with themselves is a really critical part of maintaining the best quality of life for themselves. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I often invite people and I'm personally inviting everybody who's listening here right now 
to join the Know It Before You Need It Club. It is an exclusive club and so good. But no, seriously, it's about educating yourself before a need arises so that when you are trying to make choices for yourself or a loved one, that you are not in crisis mode when you were doing it. Making choices when you're feeling overwhelmed and when you're in crisis usually ends up with taking a turn down a wrong path. And so I, I make jokes about that and make light of it a little bit, but it really is a serious uh, piece of advice to make sure that you understand what you're walking into. As And, you know, there's one thing that we can't change, any one of us. We are all aging. <laughs> it is happening. That happens every <laughs> single day. And so we may as well face it and, and try to understand the path that's coming and walk down that road in an educated manner rather than just letting things happen to us. We talked a lot about independent living mm -hmm. in that process. In the assisted living realm, there are a number of options available, though. All assisted living communities are not alike. In Florida, there's actually different levels of licensure that would require the assisted living community to have demonstrated and staffed appropriately to provide different levels of assistance to their residents. It begins with a basic or standard license that is really limited to assisting people with those activities of daily living that we were talking about and really doesn't go much beyond that. The next level is called a uh, limited nursing services license. We call them LNS. And now there are, as the name would apply, some additional services that be, can be performed by a licensed, either practical or registered nurse in the confines of the community that would preclude a resident having to be in a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility. And then the highest level of licensure is a extended congregate care license. Maybe not as often used anymore in the state of Florida, but would provide some situations for people that for limited periods of time are actually bedridden and have some more extenuating circumstances on a temporary basis. So you have different levels of care or assistance that can be provided based on that licensure. The skilled nursing facilities are exactly what that name implies. Nursing means that the individuals in those types of facilities require licensed nursing care in, in order to survive, if you will, and uh, can only be provided in those types of situations. And often those facilities not only provide that nursing, the skilled nursing uh, care, but also some rehabilitation services. And, and many communities will offer both either a short-term or a long-term kind of stay. So as you work through that progression, you go from being able to make your bed in the morning, get dressed, and walk back and forth to the dining room to an assisted living community where somebody may assist you with some or all of those activities as you go through your, your day to possibly the need where you, even with assistance, can't perform those things, but are almost in a hospital type setting. Correct. Wow, that is a lot of information, <laughs> but so good. And I think, I, I hope anyway, will help people to understand the difference between the types of care that are available because it can be confusing and overwhelming to say the least. Now, additionally, within assisted living, you also have memory care. 
And can you speak to that for just a moment? I, I really can, and and I have a, a, a very special place in my own heart for that. My mother suffered with Parkinson's disease for over 20 years, and there's a particular form of dementia that uh, is oftentimes related with that and eventually was part of her complications when she passed. But dementia care or memory care in a community is a specialized type of assistance. It is not skilled but it definitely, in the best cases, providing the best quality of life, requires specially trained staff. There are often a much higher level of assistance required for all of those activities of daily living we discussed, but there is a requirement for the people that work with residents that suffer from any form of dementia to be able to join people on their journey, if you will. All dementias are not the same. And all dementia is not Alzheimer's. I'm still surprised at the number of physicians I meet that diagnose any type of dementia as Alzheimer's. And the unfortunate thing about Alzheimer's is that's a terminal disease. The great thing about many forms of dementia, and Alzheimer's in particular, is that there has been great headway made in terms of particularly medications, and that if properly diagnosed early and treated, the effects, the symptoms can really be minimized and provide a great quality of life that might not otherwise be the case, but uh, truly a specialized area. It requires often a, what we call a secured neighborhood. Not everyone with dementia has a propensity to wander, but many times people, if not in a confined area, would leave and not know how to get back and we wouldn't ever want anybody to be at risk, obviously. And that's one of the big dangers. But there is truly a need, I think, as we, as human beings, and certainly as Americans, live longer. We see more cases of dementia just because people weren't living into their 70s and 80s as a rule. Um, But definitely a need and definitely some really special people that work in that area. Fantastic. And I do want to mention, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We'll have another episode about this at another time, but you might hear something called a CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community. And basically, that takes you all the way from independent living all the way through nursing care and end of life. And so that's something you might hear something about as you're shopping and, and looking for a community for your loved one. And we are going to do an episode all about that. But do you want, do you have a sentence or two? Yeah, I could, you know, at the sake of information overload. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I'm sorry, um, everyone. <laughs> so CCRCs in recent years have now been called life plan communities. Yes. So as you'll see in some advertising, we're really talking about the same thing, but that CCRC designation really was clear, and it offered individuals the opportunity from, like you said, that independent living kind of a situation to have available to them the types of care that they may need for the rest of their life, hence now the new term life plan. What's generally found with these types of communities, for the most part, generally speaking, they're still priced out of range for many people, not because they're targeting a luxury crowd, but to have the amount of skilled staff and facilities available 
whenever it may need it requires a huge investment up front. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, these types of communities, we hadn't talked much about uh, you know, how we pay for it, but there's generally a large financial commitment up front. Um, yes. Sometimes it's called a buy-in or what have you. And most communities will have an additional monthly fee over and above that initial amount that's paid in based on the types of services that you need to access. Many of the life plan communities, if you will, will also make sure that you know as you come in that by agreeing to live in a community like that, the community has the opportunity to make the decision when you need a higher level of care. So really important to do the research on the front end. It is a large financial commitment, generally speaking, but there's a reason for that. It's not just aimed at wealthy folks, but it really will usually require a fair amount of resources to take advantage of. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And you're right. It does require a commitment. And I also um, love that you brought up the point to make sure to pay attention to the details because there are some things in there that you do have to be aware of about your decision making and about what the life plan looks like, especially if you're a couple. So at any rate, let's move on from that. So one question that I often get people have a misperception about is when deciding whether you want to choose independent or assisted, are there any qualifications of people who would like to choose assisted. So perhaps you have somebody who maybe they're independent right now, but things are moving in a direction where they really prefer to be in an assisted environment. Do they have to meet any medical qualifications or can anyone just choose that? That's a great question. There is a requirement and most states will have this. In Florida, there is a form. The number on the form is 1823. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What this is, is a physician certification that based on some sort of physical impairments or maybe a number of them, that this individual patient of theirs would be suitable for an assisted living environment. It is important to note that without a diagnosis of dementia, memory care is not appropriate, a secured neighborhood. And while sometimes people may be a little forgetful or absent-minded, that's not necessarily dementia. And as we talked earlier, that's a very specialized uh, area in our assisted living communities. Having said that, if there is a medical diagnosis of dementia, it really begins to narrow in what type of community you're looking for when you're looking at assisted living. But there is that legal requirement, if you will, a form that is completed by the physician that states that they are appropriate for assisted living. Having said that, I have had residents myself and and know that there have been residents other places that may have had a physician certified that they are suitable for assisted living, but could do just fine in an independent living community. Mm -hmm. And I think what would be important there as families are exploring options is that they come as equipped as possible. And a resource like what you're providing here does a great job with that to really nail down is the staff at this independent living community capable of handling these challenges if my mom puts the resources in place she needs so that she might be able to enjoy this lifestyle for a while. Right. That's really a good point. That's a very good point because independent is probably a little less structured 
you know, where in an assisted living environment, I'd say most of the ones that I encounter are in a position where you've got to sign in and sign out and, you know, your comings and goings are not quite as free as in an independent community. Not that they're trying to restrict, they're just trying to make sure everyone's safe and keep track of everybody. So is there a big cost differential between assisted and independent? Yeah, there's substantial, and it really is based around the need for skilled and sometimes even licensed staff in an assisted living community. I often will tell family members when they come to look at an independent living community, think of this as an apartment complex that just has a ton of amenities. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And from that standpoint, the amount of staff that we need is a fraction of what would be required at a community that is there to assist many or most of the residents with getting up in the morning or with bathing or being able to transfer from their bed to their walker safely, all of those kind of things. It requires a lot more people in general, which will drive up the cost. And then, depending upon the amount of services available at that assisted living community, there's going to be some other skilled staff there. Licensed practical nurses, some certified medication technicians that are there to help people manage their medication. The labor costs are going to be significantly higher at an assisted living community mm -hmm. just by the very nature of the services that they provide versus what would be provided in independent living. So th there is a big cost difference. Right. So that's a real pro on the on check mark on the pro side for independent living. <laughs> if it's appropriate. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So when someone begins to tour properties, whether it's independent or assisted living, what are a few things that you would advise them to really look for? Some of them are very practical. I know this when I looked for a facility for my mom. <laughs> I was in the industry, so maybe that's unfair. But uh, I would encourage families to look at the cleanliness of the community itself. If the leadership in that community does not care enough to keep the building clean, how will they care for your loved ones? Do the residents appear to be engaged with their environment? They don't have to greet you and give you a sales pitch as a resident, but they should look contented, you know, maybe happy. They should be engaged in things that they like to do. And there should be people assisting rather than making folks mm -hmm. do things. And then the staff should show those same kinds of things. I'm always concerned if I go into a building and the staff doesn't smile. And if the staff, and I'll upset some people by this comment, but I'm I feel really strongly, if they refer to every single resident as sweetheart and cutie and yeah, honey, yes. <laughs> I don't know if they know their names, and that concerns yeah. me. Um, I think personally, not to mention it's a little bit ageist. <laughs> it really is. I, I wasn't going to go there, but it, it, it is. It's you know, there's a personal dignity thing, right. and. Um, as a salesperson, I know people like to hear their name. Yes. <laughs> but as human beings, we do too. You know, we like knowing we're that important and maybe we're the center of things. So th those are some, I think, some real obvious indicators about um, maybe the culture that's going on in that community. And that, that's really important to start. I, I really believe the staff in communities, and it gets more important as the level of care goes up, 
make or break a good community. Agree. If it feels like a facility, if it's sterile, if it's cold, um, you know, would you want to live there? The other thing, and again, it's obvious, but it goes to taking care of people, would be odors. Um, Not really going to run into that generally in an independent living community. If you did, then (laughs) you need to turn around and leave, I guess. But in assisted living communities, that's really important because it goes directly to how you're caring for those individuals and assisting them in the needs that they have. So those are kind of obvious ones that you don't have to have any special education for that will tell you tons about that particular place. Absolutely. And I'd like to direct everyone who's listening to eldercareguide.com. If you go there and look in the assisted living section, you will find a printable worksheet that you can download. It allows you to compare three different communities. It's a two-page thing of all the questions you should ask and everything that you should be looking for and space to record your thoughts about every place that you visit. So I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. I'll also have a link directly to that in the show notes. And anything else that we've mentioned here that might need a link, you'll find it in the show notes. We don't want to make you have to scribble down all of these things as we go. I try very hard to make sure I've got it all encapsulated for you and put in a place where you can find it. Do you have any favorite tools that you would direct people to? You just mentioned one, you know, and I'm always, uh, I'm pleased when families even come into an independent living community and they have that checklist because it really helps them to organize their thoughts. And there's so much information that they need, but that they're going to be hit with. And being able to sort that out and look at it objectively <laughs> later yep. is uh, is really important. You know, shameless plug for you, your publication, I refer folks to often. Thank you. Um, it, it is so well organized and uh, all the information I know I would want if I was trying to make that decision is there. It makes sense of how it's in there and so easy to use. And in, in the Lakeland area, you see it quite a few places. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> We try. We try to put yeah. it everywhere people might be. <laughs> so, but. yeah, your publications is a great resource. And we're glad that we participate in it and glad we have it to give to families. Absolutely. It's, it has been a passion project for my husband and I. We've been 28 years now with Elder Care Guide and, and trying to connect families locally mm-hmm. to information. And via the podcast now, being able to connect families no matter where they live with information that will help them walk through this part of their lifetime. So if you don't live in the central Florida area and you say, gosh, you know, they keep mentioning Lakeland and I don't live there, not a problem. The information that you're going to find on the website, eldercareguide.com, is useful anywhere. And so I'd encourage you to go and learn and join the Know It Before You Need It Club. I think I need to create a badge or something (laughs) because you're all invited and you should all be a member of that club and make your own life so much easier. Well, my favorite question of every episode is the very last one, and I would love it if you would give us a little piece of sage advice to leave our listeners with. I'd be glad to. I have a little, it's not really a plaque, a little metal object that sits on my desk uh, at work that a resident gave to me many years ago. It was actually an assisted living community that says, don't look down upon old age. It's a gift that not everybody gets to enjoy. 
Mm. And uh, it really goes to what we talked about in terms of so many times people make this decision when it's too late. Um, You know, better to plan, think ahead, and enjoy life. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was a really good conversation, and I would venture to guess a little bit overwhelming for some who are listening, but bear with us. Just go ahead and listen from the beginning forward again. If you missed something, you can always take it in, in little chunks and consume the information that's right for you at that time. I'll also have a blog post that goes along with this, and that might help you to organize your thoughts around the content a little bit better. But I I think this was a very necessary conversation and one that I think so many people will, will benefit from. And thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It really was a privilege, and you're doing great work. Please keep thank it you. up. Thank you. Will do. And thank all of you for listening. And, we, you know, we'd love to connect with you outside of the podcast arena. So, I hope you'll jump over to Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or Twitter and connect with us there. We love sharing content and we love hearing from you. We'd love to hear what types of episodes you'd like for us to produce moving forward. So be sure to let us know what you think and let us know if we're doing a good job for you. And you know, you can also get every episode of Sage Aging sent directly to your inbox. It's super easy to do. You're just going to go to eldercareguide.com and on the top left-hand side of the page, one of the first things that you're going to see is an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. That comes out every other week and it includes the podcast episode and lots of other good stuff too. So we hope you'll join us there. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk real soon.